Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian, Season 3, Episode 3. Today, I have the joy of talking to Cassie Joy Garcia, who wrote a wonderful cookbook, Cook Once, Dinner Fix. I really enjoy getting a chance to talk to Cassie. She was just a tremendous person with a lot of energy to talk to, and I really enjoyed her cookbooks and getting a chance to read them and go over them. She's written some tremendous stuff, and she has a wonderful um, Fed and Fit website that you should check out as well. Cook Once Dinner Fix is a phenomenal book that's really been a big change in my life because I've been using it weekly since um, I got to read it initially, and that's not that's no hyperbole. Um, I have a big family, if you didn't know, and um, I do a lot of recipe planning and uh, grocery shopping planning per week, and her book was just a huge lifesaver, and I sing her praises every week when I use it, uh, because she's instrumental in helping me plan my recipes, uh, and the Cook Once Dinner Fix book has some wonderful recipes that are very vegetable-forward and um, nutritious, so I wholeheartedly recommend this cookbook. I know I say this a lot um, when I talk about the cookbooks, but this one, you know, if you are the cook for your family and you do a lot of grocery shopping and planning, and if you, like me, have a big family, this book literally is a lifesaver. Trust me on this one. She was just also just a joy to talk to, very fun, uh, great personality. So without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and go to the um, conversation, um, but please check out Cassie Joy Garcia's cookbook, Cook Once, Dinner Fix. It's available uh, now on pre-order, and uh, you can purchase it on Amazon, and also go to her Fed for Fit website. It's just a great website with a lot of wonderful content, not always about food, but all kinds of things about the fitness lifestyle. So there you go, and onward to my conversation. Welcome to the Well Seasoned Librarian podcast. Today, I'm very happy to have my guest, Cassie Joy Garcia, here to talk about her brand new cookbook, Cook Once Dinner Fix. Cassie, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm so excited about your cookbook, and it's going to come out in a couple of weeks, and I really think a lot of people are going to love it. Um, I, I think I just said this to you. I, I love it because I'm a parent, and I got a lot of kids to feed, and I'm trying to get everybody to eat healthy, which you know, if you're a parent, you know what it's like. Kids don't always want to eat healthy food. And you've made it definitely easy by providing some really delicious and I'll, I'll dare say gourmet stuff, um, very multicultural, all kinds of stuff in here. None of it's repetitive or boring. Because I think that's the one thing, you know, I don't want to take up too much time, but like when you're trying to like make foods week in, week out, getting to some variety in there is hard to do. And you make this really easy. So God, thank you for this. <laughs> that means so much. That really does. Thank you so much for that. So as a parent who cooks for a large family and someone who likes to eat healthy and wants to eat healthy, cooking once is um, needed by me and um, is kind of a godsend. Um, talk to me about where someone would start who wants to start cooking and eating healthy, but also doesn't want to be a slave in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that back thinking about how can you make this whole thing more efficient in the kitchen is probably where I start first. And so if you find yourself, and I'm speaking from personal experience, but if you find yourself making a very involved meal night after night, day after day, and you find yourself, at least for me, when I was doing that, 
it was really difficult. It was challenging to keep yeah. my budget under control. Yes. You know, when you're yes. doing that, um, it was, it took a lot of time to plan out my meals, especially like you're saying, if I wanted to keep things, some variety in there and mix in some new dishes and expose my kids, for example, to new flavors. Um, and then the time the just the darn time to pull it all together took a lot. It was a lot. And I found that it just wasn't working for me. And I kept thinking, gosh, there's gotta be a more efficient way to do this, you know, versus, and I love to cook. Obviously this is what I do for a living is develop yeah. recipes. I really love to cook, but after spending an hour and a half to pull dinner together, and then we eat it, we have a, I have very young kids I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and then an, soon to be another one on the way. And we're just in that season of life where we're probably woofing down dinner in like seven minutes. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and, and then all of a sudden it's over and I spend 45 minutes cleaning up the kitchen and it yes. just felt like this <laughs> disproportionate amount of time for, I'm proud that I was able to nourish my family, you know, and, and fill our bellies, but it just, it didn't feel like the best use of time. And so, um, I would say if you're looking to, if, if that's a, if that's something that you also run up against and you're thinking to yourself, gosh, yes, I'm worn out by this. Yeah. This is exhausting. I'm, I'm out of ideas. I'm out of budget. You know, what can I do better? This is, this was my solution to that. Thank you. Cause it really, I mean, you speak to what a time suck it is. And I don't think people mention this in cookbooks, but I mean, God, this is really huge to us because you don't want to start resenting your family, but when you, you know, you spend so much time grocery shopping continually and then, you know, putting the food away, storing it, prepping, doing all this stuff, you're exhausted by the end of it all. And any minimization you could do to kind of prep and make this easier. I'm really grateful because, you know, it does impact like your relationships, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm done with dinner, but I got to clean up and stuff. And that cuts into my time with my wife just to kind of talk about our day. And, you know, mm -hmm. after a long commute and work, it's a lot, you know, and you're making this so much easier with the genius of your cookbook. I mean, can we talk a little bit about the idea? The main center idea around this is you do a lot of prep cooking for, for two meals at one time. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. And so this was an answer to people who wanted to get ahead, but they didn't want to prep day. Right. Right. They didn't want to have to carve out that half a day or quarter of a day to prep for meals in advance, or in some cases. So there's, you know, the folks who, and I live this life are prepping three meals a day for seven days a week in advance, you know, yeah. and they're just tired of that system as well. Yeah. And so what I've done, and this is how I cook in my own home. This is how I've been able to do it more efficiently for a long time is integrate thoughtful prep with a one dinner that you're going to be able to roll forward into the next. And it's going to be a totally different meal. It's not like we're just reheating leftovers and there's nothing against leftovers. If you're, if, if your family will eat them, um, but it allows you to introduce more variety, more flavors and more nutrients. And so what you do, the book is broken up or organized into what I call dinner series. And each dinner series has a pair of dinners that work really well together. And while you make, everything is very simple. And so the way that I like to recipe develop is I will take, how do you make a brisket or, you know, like, or how do you roast a chicken? And I will boil it down to not literally figuratively Got boil it. the method down to the bare minimum of what does it take 
to actually cook this food. And then I add on from there, what do we need to add on to just optimize flavor, texture, meal experience, but not at the cost of time and effort and energy. And so the recipes, let's say if it's a chicken series, yeah. I walk you through how to make a really fabulous roasted chicken, but it's going to be no fuss, right? And maybe your first dinner is roasted chicken, roasted vegetables, and some sort of a rice. All right. If that's meal one, it's going to be very straightforward. And all of these are complete meals. I think that's another important distinction is because when we're, it comes time to planning meals, we typically can think of an ingredient, a side or a main dish, right? That we want that meal to center around, but then it's also left up to us to make the decisions of what we serve with it. And so hopefully this is helpful, but I provided all of those side dishes to accompany that, um, that main component. So you make this roasted chicken dish. And what I ask you to do is stick an extra chicken in the oven. Yeah. At the same time, you're not going to yeah. eat that for dinner tonight. Let's say it's right. Monday. You're not going to eat that other chicken for dinner tonight, but maybe chicken, whole chickens were on sale at the market, whatever it is, you were able to grab two, keep that roasted chicken. And then on Wednesday, when you're ready for poultry again, or whatever day it is, then we take it, deconstruct it, toss it and sear it in a really delicious sesame, sticky Chinese inspired sauce and serve it over fl fluffy white rice. And it comes together so quickly yeah. because you've already done the majority of the cooking. I just love that so much. I mean, I, it's one of those things like, it's like, why did I think, think of this before? But I wouldn't have, because it's not really, that's something you could just, because there's, it's more complex than that because you also offer a lot of sides and stuff and you show kind of how you can shop for these multiple meals and kind of use some of the same ingredients for multiple times. And it is so nice to have the sides in there with it as an example, because it's a great thing like to see the main dish and then the salad with it or the side dish with it, like the mashed potatoes or the coleslaw. And it's, I, because it kind of helps you pull it all together. And especially when you're recipe planning and you're, you're creating a shopping list for that, it's really nice to see all that together. Is it, that's why I was so excited because I'm like, this is perfect because it could really help me plan my shopping list. I also love that you have the, the sidebar too, that on all the recipes that you have a, a section that'll say gluten-free, dairy-free, you really break it down for different diets. And that's so helpful because in a large family, you often do have, like you'll have the person who's the vegetarian or doesn't eat dairy and you kind of have to modify it continually. Yeah. And that's a big burden on the cook, whoever yes. is preparing the meal. And my my heart goes out to that person. I am that person in my house. And because it, you wind up making, yes, you're not, you're not just making dinner. Now you're making three different meals Yes. in some cases, maybe even more. And so my, I really like to make sure that the cook is very well supported in pulling that together and pulling off a meal that's dietary friendly for everybody at the table in a way that makes it as easy on you as possible, but, in, and it's still a delicious meal experience for everyone. And is it, I mean, you have some really great, no, there's no boring recipes in the entire cookbook. And I want to say too, I love how you treat vegetables in this. You've got some really great usages for vegetables. And I'm always thinking like, I got to get more zucchini because I grow zucchini. And as you know, if you grow zucchini, you have a lot of zucchini. <laughs> yes. You, you have some great zucchini usages in here that I've never even thought of before that are just freaking brilliant. Like you have the, uh, the zucchini um, enchilada boats. Mm -hmm. It is beautiful, delicious recipe. And I just am so excited to use so many of these things. I can't wait. To, and like you used to do sweet potatoes, yams, um, 
eggplant, all these different things. Like I want to get into our diet, cauliflower, and you're using it all really well. And the vegetarian section at the back is just magnificent. And I'm thinking, I want to do some like meat-free days. And this gives me some great inspiration to do something that people will actually like. Mm-hmm. So thank you. This is really so important to me. Oh, it's been a, it was a pleasure to pull together. That vegetarian chapter was by popular request. Um, I have, of course, we have a poultry, a pork, a beef, and then I added a seafood chapter, which is the shortest chapter in the book, because I'm sure you can imagine uh, prepping seafood ahead can be very tricky. And so I wanted to make sure that the recipes that wound up in the book are going to be a home run for everybody who tries them. Um, but then the vegetarian chapter really turned out to be maybe my favorite out of the entire book. It was it's really good. It was such a fun way to, like you said, just really highlight different vegetables, bring in different flavors and really be bold in certain areas. Absolutely. And also I, I really liked your fish section. We don't eat a lot of fish in my household and I kind of want to, but I've been kind of skittish about it because I don't cook a lot of fish and your recipes have kind of made me think I'm going to give it a try, especially I liked, I think it was the, uh, the halibut melts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That looks really delicious. And then so many of your usages for salmon, like the salmon burgers and stuff. I'm like, I really want to do this. This sounds something I I think we'll all really like. Oh, good. I actually had the salmon burgers two nights ago and they were those it's a, it's got cranberry and feta in there and they are just so delicious. Yeah. It looks like a good combo. I'm really looking forward to trying that. Now I want to ask you about chronic pain because we've had a few authors on here, written cookbooks where chronic pain was a motivator in writing them. So I know that chronic pain was a factor for you to change your diet. Um, Can you talk about that as far as your impetus in writing this cookbook and your other cookbooks? Yes. So I was in my early twenties when, and I'll be honest with you at that point in time, I really didn't understand that the pain that I felt was optional you know, and I didn't really know that that was something that I could, that I could influence. I, because I ran, I was a runner at the time. And I just thought, oh, this is, this is just a life. This is just what all runners feel, right. Is I wince in pain because my knees and my hips hurt all the time at the age of 22. And, um, what I did notice is that I, I kept gaining weight, unexplained weight, and I couldn't understand why. And back then, this was in 2008, 2009, there wasn't a lot of conversation around food quality. There was a lot of conversation, right, around quantity, you know, the calories in, calories out. And so I tried a bunch of diets. And of course, they didn't really solve the problem that I was looking to solve is like, why do I keep gaining weight? And what I found out is, after just a lot of trial and error. And then eventually like to say that I took myself on as my first nutrition client. Cause I went on to study holistic nutrition later is that it was inflammation in my body. That was the primary problem I was eating. I had a unwell gut, right. And not to go too far into it, but that's typically what happens when folks have a lot of food intolerances is their guts, just not very healthy. And I understand that now I didn't know it then. Um, and the goal is to heal it. And then you can incorporate more foods again in the future. But I started to eliminate some of these inflammatory foods, the foods that were most likely causing a lot of the immediate inflammation and instead filling my plate with foods that were more anti-inflammatory in nature. So more benign foods that probably weren't going to aggravate. And while my goal was to figure out why was I gaining weight all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, it was not a flip of a switch. But slowly over time, 
out of the mist, I started to feel better. My, the pain in my knees and my hips started to go away and I started to have more energy, sleeping better, thinking better, um, feeling more like myself than I had in a really long time, but I didn't realize that that hadn't been there, if that makes any sense. And so in a lot of ways, I got a new lease on life by way of just nourishing my body in in a different way. Um, And so I didn't want to give it up. Unlike diets where you try it for 30 days and then you, you, you go figure out what's the next thing you want to do. I wasn't ready to give that feeling up and how great I felt, but I was also tired of chicken and broccoli and raspberries on my plate. And so I started recipe developing and figuring out delicious ways that I could still support my body with these same wholesome foods. So what are the, some of the warning signs that somebody might recognize? Because I think some of our listeners might hear this and their ears might perk up and go, oh, this is relevant to me. Can you tell us just what some of the warning signs that people might want to look for before consulting their doctor or nutritionist? Sure. Yeah. Um, some of the ones, if you feel like you're getting enough sleep, right? Check, check some of the low hanging fruit off first. If you feel like you're getting enough sleep, if you feel like you're hydrated, you're drinking enough water. Um, and if you feel like you're eating enough, right? Because if you're undernourishing, then that's also going to con- can make you feel the same way. Um, if you're dehydrated or if you're sleep deprived, but if you're doing all of those things and you still feel like you have a lot of mental fog, like you have unexplained joint pain that you can't quite put your finger on why, um, and a lot of bloating after eating, not to get too far into it, but yeah. you know, just like, um, I would go out to an Italian restaurant and my belly would swell afterwards because of pasta and bread and a glass of wine. And I can eat those things now, but I really needed to go through a healing process. Um, and so I would say that would be, those would all be really great signs to maybe go speak to a professional and see if there could be something else going on. Now. Uh, you're a holistic nutritionist. In your opinion, do you think that nutrition and diet are often overlooked in the medical practice and people go in and say, Hey, I've got joint pain or I'm not feeling good. I'm feeling bloated. Do you think that, that they're not, nobody's raising that in conversation when they talk to the doctors? I think it is becoming more common for it to be brought up, but I don't know that it is always as prevalent in the conversation as I don't know that the I don't know that it's brought up at the same degree that it's probably the underlying issue, if that makes any sense. I don't think those two match up right now, but I think from what I've observed, it's getting better. I think folks are also patients like myself. If I go in to see a doctor, we're more informed now. And I think we also generally understand how to be better advocates for our own health. And so we kind of go in with questions in mind. And I would encourage somebody to do that. Um, not necessarily to lean on Dr. Google, so to speak, right? but, but see what you can, if there, see if you can't come up with some really great questions to ask your healthcare provider and then see what answers they have for you. You know, could this be diet related? If it is diet related, what are some things that I could do to tweak it to maybe support, uh, some of my goals? Yeah, that's a good point about the Googling this stuff, because I know from experience as a librarian that people can often go down a rabbit hole with Googling health symptoms, and it, it, it's good to raise questions, but it may not, it may raise more questions than answers. Um, <laughs> 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Can you tell us about your previous books? Because this uh, Cook Once Fix, Cook Once Dinner Fix is not your first book. You've written other books as well. And you have a book out, Fit and Fed, sorry, Fed and Fit, a 28-day food and fitness plan to jumpstart your life with over 175 squeaky clean paleo recipes. Um, How did you come to write this and how did it change things for you? Yes, that was my kind of self-titled debut book. And I'll be honest with you, when I wrote that one, I thought this is going to be the only book I ever write. (laughs) I'm glad you didn't feel that way. I I eventually realized my work's not done here. Um, And that's every book that I've ever written. I wanted it to really answer a problem, solve a problem, solve something in a way that didn't already exist in the world. I didn't want to just create more noise. Um, And so fed and fit was my, you know, if I only ever write one, this is going to be it. And it really summarizes my entire approach to nutrition. And so if someone were really looking to lean more into that, that would be the resource I would point them to. Uh, it's where I talk about the four pillars of health, food, fitness, uh, mindset, and then rest and water. And there's also what I had, because I did go on to become a holistic nutritionist. Like you've said, I worked with clients one-on-one, and then I graduated that into a program to be able to get folks through kind of the heavy lifting by way of a big group and then guide them towards the way that I view nutrition programs out in the world is that there's actually never going to be the perfect program for you because you are such a unique individual and only you know you best. And so the point of my book was to get you 80% of the way there and then kind of essentially put a compass in your hand and you figure out how to, how to get through the last 20%. To the perfect you plan is what I called it. And so that was fed and fit. And it had a bunch of very, uh, kind of like I was saying, the benign health supportive recipes, recipes that are probably going to work for just about everybody, regardless of um, food intolerances or things that were going to cause inflammation at the time. Um, Now I'm going to ask you, I know that when I became a parent, I think my diet improved because I wasn't just feeding myself. I was feeding my my kid and then ultimately kids um, too. And then as you're feeding kids, you start, you know, thinking, well, I, I got to eat the same stuff. I can't just make them eat healthy and I don't eat healthy. So did becoming a parent yourself influence your diet and how you cooked or how you saw nutrition as far as cooking goes? It did. It did. And it didn't. I think uh, I, you know, learning as much as I've learned in my career about food, there's a lot of stuff that I can't unknow. <laughs> you know? And so when it comes to building, for example, a breakfast plate, one of our favorite dishes in our house has always been uh, kale for breakfast, believe it or not. It sounds maybe a little, you believe? Okay. I make make this, what I call lemony kale. And we just take, um, you know, the flat leaf kale and put it in after the sausages or bacon or whatever is cooked, you know, for breakfast, if we're cooking anything like that, that morning, 
um, into the same pan, I will hand shred some kale, throw that in and then add a little sea salt and some fresh lemon juice and it and wilt it really well. And it that is, sounds great. It is delicious. It's so good. And I, for whatever reason, that just became a breakfast food because as a nutritionist, I was trying to coach people on front loading their day in, in the most dense nutrients, right? Try to get them in as early as possible. So that come dinner, you're not playing makeup or catch up, you know, by dinner, if you're like, Oh, it's a pizza night. Like you go yeah. for it. You have yeah. that pizza yeah. and, and you should have it either way, but you know, that allows you to balance out your day. And so by the time we had kiddos, I kept cooking that way, but I will say that what I've stretched with for my girls that I did not do before is foods. I'll put like uh, organ meats in front of them. And those are foods that I personally don't have a taste for, mm -hmm. but my children love liverwurst, for example, because we exposed it to them really early. And yeah. so to your point, I, you know, we bless their hearts. They don't, we call it breakfast meat at home is liverwurst that we pay and see. It works. It works. It works. So they get these little things of breakfast meat with the, you know, it's a great source of folate among with other things. I do not like it, but because I have to show them mm, yummy, I will eat it. And it's great for everybody, even though I'm trying to hide the fact that it's probably my least favorite food and they genuinely enjoy it. That's awesome. My brothers and I were like that. We always like liver and, and things like that too. So that's kind of cool. I love that recipe. I like the kale thing. I want to try that at home. That sounds wonderful. It's lovely there. If you want to, you probably don't need a recipe because you're a cook and you can put piece it together in your head. But if you're listening and you would like to lean on one, if you just Google lemony kale or fed and fit lemony kale, uh, my method and recipe will show up for you. I like that a lot. Um, now you're a social media maven and you have a wonderful blog that I encourage people to go to. I'm going to include the link in the bio so they could look at that. But um, how has the tool for social media change affected your ability to communicate about um, health and uh, fitness? Oh my goodness. It has changed everything. It really has. Before, before social media, before being able to connect with folks in real time, put up a video in real time or a photo in real time and thoughts and not have to go through a longer process. It allowed me to be able to show people how this looks. What does this actually look like when it's lived? And that was something that was left to the imagination before then, right? When it, I only had the blog the, to lean on and I would just share longer narratives, they would have to read through it and then try to imagine what this looks like to be as a lived concept. Um, and then after the blog, really before social media, I also started a podcast back in the day, which um, I've since closed, but I did that so that I could at least make it somewhat conversational and talk through these concepts with folks. And social media though, has allowed me to lean more into video and just really bring it all to life. Yeah. I mean, cause you, it's kind of almost a community or like there's, there's a lot of interaction on the website and it's really phenomenal. Um, can you talk to the public that's not familiar with your work about your four pillars of health? I would love to. So the four pillars of health, which are like uh, the mainstay in my first book, Fed and Fit and really the cornerstones of my nutrition practice, they were mindset was number one. And I think it's really important to start there and acknowledge that that is going to be the foundation for all healthy lifestyle changes moving forward is our perspective and thoughts around it. And then we had rest and hydration is number two. And that's also still, all this comes before food, 
right? And so rest and hydration are that important is to make sure that we are really hydrated and we're allowing our bodies to rest, which is a challenge. Now as a mom, right? Like I said, of a three and a one-year-old, if I'm able to sleep for six hours uninterrupted, it is a rare miracle these days, but oh, yeah. you know, you do your best. Yeah. Um, and then the third pillar is food. And it's really about finding my philosophy is that there's no such thing as a good food or a bad food. It's all food. And, but it's, but it is, there is the challenge to find the ones that work for your body. If that's a goal of yours, if health, healing, feeling your best and those kinds of things is something you want to move towards, then that's an opportunity. And so find the ones that really work for you. And then the last pillar comes in last is going to be fitness. And I like to lean more into, I, I like to call it your ideal fitness fit, but what is something that really works for you? Kind of like how dinner fix cook when center fix is my attempt to make dinner time work for you more easily. And how do we make this more achievable? I feel like fitness should be the same. You know, if you loathe running, then don't run. Don't let that be a part of your fitness routine. Um, if walking a mile every morning is something that you would really enjoy and find refreshing and as a great practice, then do that. You know, and so I try to direct folks towards finding something that you are excited about doing. I what I like about your platform and your cookbooks, I find is that I've read a lot of cookbooks recently that are kind of like unattainable stuff, like get this product that's like very expensive and you can only get at Whole Foods, or get this workout item that you can only get from a specific, you know, website. And uh, your stuff is all accessible. Nothing in your cookbooks is like hard to find. It's all everyday stuff. I feel like, you know, you, you kind of target a lot of your stuff to everyday people and none of it's like stuff that you have to be wealthy to be able to afford or live in a certain area to be able to afford. And in a time period where we have such like, you know, times where nutri bad nutrition is so rampant across the U S I feel like your cookbooks are kind of a godsend. Was this intentional? Did you intend for this to be the case when you wrote your stuff? Not in as many words but I've always felt myself moved to make things as honest as possible. So I won't, I will only publish a recipe if I know that I would make it and love it and enjoy it. You know, I like I'm, I, or, and make it night after night, or if I wouldn't make it night after night, for example, I have a prime rib roast that lives on fedandfit.com. That's a very special occasion recipe in our house, but I identify it as such, you know? And so I really, what I have intentionally done over the years is made sure that everything I'm publishing and putting out is really authentic to, would I make this? Would I actually be excited about this meal? Um, and do I feel confident? I, I'm not, what's not lost on me is the risk someone takes on when they decide they want to make one of my recipes and they go out they put in the effort to go to the store and the money to get the ingredients and then the time when they come home to make it and they pull it together. I am, I am very aware of that investment by the person and the trust that's involved and they're hoping this works out. They're hoping this is going to be worth their time and money. And that is, that's something that I take very seriously. And so when I am publishing recipes, I want to make sure that it is that by the time they're done, and a good way to do that is to make sure that it's a simple thing to pull together 
that yields maximum results. And so hopefully by the end of mealtime, they're like, wow, that was delicious. I can't believe how easy it was. You know, that's the goal. I want people to think, yes, I made a great decision to make that meal. That was a win for me and my family. The uh, artwork, the, uh, the art design in the cookbook is beautiful. And it's really, you made the food look really good, but also like you made it look really real. Like everything in there was, was really well presented. And did you have a hand in that? The art direction of the cookbook? Literally, I, it was literally my hand pulling it together. Um, I'll tell you the real story is you did it yourself. I, I was the food stylist. Oh my God. That's wow. That's impressive. You did a great job. Oh, thank you. My first two books I photographed and you can probably tell if you look at them. <laughs> yeah, that's good too. Those are really good too. There's it's a cook once dinner fix though is on another level. Uh, we, my publisher, I have a new publisher. I have a adore this team. It's an incredible group of people that I get to work with. And my editor, when we were agreeing to do the book, he pulled me aside and he said, Cassie, you have to promise me you're going to get help with this book. He said, whether it's photography or food styling, you have to promise me you're going to have help. And I have help here at Fed and Fit, an incredible team that helps in the kitchen. But that was a hard thing for me to give up. And so until I found this fabulous photographer, uh, Kristen Kilpatrick, who came in and snapped the photos, but I was a bit of a, I stuck my foot down and I said, but I want to be the stylist. And the reason being is because you're not going to look at those photos. There's no wax on anything. There's no, I mean, there might be some food stylist tricks in there, but very, very few. And I wanted to make sure because I'm not a fancy food stylist, I think that I'm able to show what the dish will actually look like when yeah. you make it at home, you know, and it's going to be pretty, right? Because yeah. we're trying to make it pretty still, but I feel like it's a little bit more authentic and a little bit more true to what the dish could look like. Yeah. Cause it makes us feel like we can do it and it can look good. We can impress our, our family too. Like the bowls, in a lot of the ways, you know, the, the bowls are, are arranged. I think there's one that's like a type of a, an homage to pho, pho that yes. you do is really nice. And it seems like instead of saying, well, I'm too afraid to try that, you're like, I will, tr I can try that and I could make this really beautiful looking thing for my family. And I think that's really a relief for us who cook for our families to know we could do this and kind of have the kids go, oh, you're such a chef. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just want to say thank you for this. I really appreciate you being on the um, podcast. I've really had a great time talking to you. And thank you for taking the time out of the day to kind of talk to me. Likewise, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to my talk with Cassie Joy Garcia. I really do enjoy her cooking books and her writing on fit and fed. I do recommend that you check out her cookbook. Um, I think you'll really enjoy it and it's available on amazon.com right now. Next week is baking week and I'm very honored and pleased to have Rose Levy Barenbaum on my program on Monday. She's going to be talking about her career and her most recently published works and it was a really wonderful chat. I really enjoyed getting a chance to know her and we've had a lot of exchanges since then. On Friday, we're going to have Beth A. Lee, who's going to be talking about her newest book, The Essential Jewish Baking Cookbook, as well as her writing for her very famous um, website, OMG Yummy. 
Tune in next week for Baking Week. I think you're going to enjoy it. Until then, happy cooking.